Warriors and welcome to Incoming Missile, a Mech Warrior online podcast. This is your host, Captain Cat and Cozen Indigo, with another in our Target Lock series. We place a reticle on a member of the Mech Warrior community. This time we have Gilakuda joining us as a representative of 228 Black Watch, ahead of their first game in the Mech Warrior World Championship semi-finals on Saturday. So he's going to be talking to us about the 2018 championship as well as competitive play in a broader sense. So, Gilakuda, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? G'day, mate. Hey, man, how are you? Oh, yeah, about that, mate, about that. Just to come back to something you mentioned before we started recording, you said you are getting up at 2am to practice. Um, haven't done that yet, but I will need to starting from, well, ideally I go to sleep straight after this, right? Yeah. and wake up around 2, 2.30ish, but that's probably not going to happen, so I'll have to uh, stay up all night, go to sleep during the day, and then I should be right for tomorrow, well, the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Because that, we have a match on, I think it's Sunday, no, 4 a.m. Sunday for, for us. Sunday for you. Yeah, for me. <laughs> well, that's going to be, you're going to need a lot of coffee, dude. I don't drink coffee, man. You would need a lot of other unnamed stimulants. <laughs> yeah. Let's say Red Bull or something like that. <laughs> what, yeah. what's, your, what's, your, what's your wake-up routine then? You got one in mind? Um, Don't really have one. Kind of <laughs> just wake up. I, I, can't, I can't handle cold showers, man. It's got to be warm. <laughs> but no, uh, usually I get woken up by the cat. She likes to steal my pillow when it's time for food, <laughs> and the, the, you just can't sleep because every time you roll over, you headbutt a cat and wakes both of you up. Let's let's talk a little bit about two two eight then. Like, so where were you guys placed last year? The world championship. Uh, I I joined the team after the roster lock. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just before the semifinals, and we came. I think. Third in the semifinals, which means we had to play first up at finals in uh, Vancouver, and we came wow. third there. That must have been a bit of a shock to the system. Um, not really. I was part of the training, the training roster, like the op four for practice. Mm. Um, I'm really close mates with Adam Steiner. We've been on. Same teams on and off for like five years now. Right. So seeing him on the big screen was pretty cool. Team punching bag. So that's what we call it <laughs> in our unit practice. <laughs> that's my role. <laughs> Feels bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got a strategy and all our mix planned and we all know exactly what we're doing. You guys come up with something to, 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 to feed us, okay? Okay. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so what's what's your role in the team? I wouldn't go too into depth for that, but... Let's put it a different way. Which, uh, which kind of mix do you like to run? Qu- quite a few. I was about to say I'm very flexible. 
Um, I've been, I drive pretty much everything except for a light at this point. Mm. Who's calling for you guys or is that sensitive information? Uh, no, I don't think that's sensitive information. That panic button is our captain. Right. As he was last year and for the last, I, th- I think the entire time 228's been a, been a thing, he's been the captain. Yep, yep. How's he as a leader, as a caller? He, of course, he makes hard calls at times. Um, but for the most part, he's, he's fairly loose, focusing on his own thing. We kind of like hive mind mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff these days. <laughs> and he, and he's like the, the guiding voice, but yeah. Living up to 228's reputation as the Borg, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we've got, we're, we're, we have three teams in the top 12, uh, you know. Yeah. Really impressive. Obviously doing something right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So you've got some, got some new faces in the team this season? Um, new faces this season are myself, Oblivion, uh, Oblivion SK, who came from some foxes. Um, we did have virtually dark, but there was a bit of drama. I don't really want to go into, so he's no longer on the roster. So we now have Matt 3049 from X dropship five. Uh, who else have we got? That's new. I think everyone else was on the roster before that. But with the, you, you guys probably have a, a pretty intense practice schedule. Um, normally we're, pra- we only really practice two, maybe three days a week. However, Only. since the semifinals have been started, we've been, yeah, we've been hitting the queue pretty much every day. I pu- I put in about four hours a day these days. Wow, just I mean purely dedicated to practicing. That's a lot. Uh, practicing, reviewing videos of our opponents. Um, yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all training, right? So you guys are getting that's it. Trying to get yourself, you know, tight as a team. Yeah, look, we're, we're pretty tight. How'd you guys find the open season then? That was all right. We didn't really face that wide a variety of teams. I think we mostly faced the same, I want to say 20 or so over and over again. Mm. Um, we never, ever matched up against Eon, even though we tried for EU times a couple of times. We never caught them. Mm. Uh, I think we caught JGX once. We caught RJF once. Don't think we caught dudes. Um, so a lot of the EU teams, we don't really know that much about them. However, poor Nutty Rat ended up against us a hell of a lot. <laughs> farming ELO from these guys. Uh, it got to the point where it was cheering uh, if you got a single kill. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feel. I know that feel. Yeah, we, we definitely know that feel. That, that was our <laughs> yeah. role against uh, Oceanic 228. Wild ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's there's three people in the queue and we got wild ones again. <laughs> we got two kills that cut that time, guys. Uh feels bad, man. <laughs> oh well. So yeah, I mean I guess that leads naturally on to sort of PGI have heads this sort of that that sort of mission statement up up the front of the oh. World Cup where they are saying the world championships they're saying that they wanted to do something different and they wanted to sort of in- hopefully encourage some beer league teams to take part how do you think they yeah how do you think that panned out um in terms of the beer league teams poorly 
I'll be brutally honest there, poorly. I don't think many showed up, if at all, any at all, because they're just not interested in this sort of thing, right? Mm. I just want to sit sit down in in group queue with a beer or many beers, as the case might be, and you know, have some fun. I don't want to stress about playing matches on time, uh, working at strategies, you know. That's just not what a lot of people who play this game for drunk fun are into. So I think that was kind of misguided aim, mm. but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> you think, like PGI's tried to make it more accessible, but really the comp scene is, you know, made for, for teams that are organized and, you know, the, the, there is a kind of gateway to entry anyway. Yeah. Like if you want to be successful in this game, like you have to put the time and the effort in. Yeah. Yeah. And not an in, not an insignificant amount either. Yeah, I'd I'd make a point as well about, um, you know that there probably was some beer league teams, um, who participated, and they probably had one or two games went up against you know someone like your guys' team and thought, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, those bloody bastards are hacking. Let's get out of here. <laughs> It's even, you know, even the difference between, say, playing solo queue and playing group queue, you know, you you uh, expect to play, um, you know, more coordinated teams and probably high skilled players. And of course, comp is just that next step up. So it makes it tough, I guess, to just kind of jump in there and want to play casual or, or have fun, um, for lack of a better word. But yeah, if you're getting matched against teams that, of course, playing pretty competitively, it does make it um, not necessarily an attractive prospect, does it? Yeah, and to be fair, I don't even think a lot of the teams made it to their 20 matches, whether you know, you've got to do your 20 matches to get prizes. I think yeah. a good dozen or so teams didn't even make it to there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the game open right now, so I can't check. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's quite a few teams that I'm pretty sure didn't make it to even playing 20 matches. Yeah, I mean, you know, put it a different way, um, playing Crossfire that, that we're in is, you know, at least an organized team we practice you know, we're looking, we're looking through all the mechs available and and coming up with drop decks and all that kind of stuff that you'd expect of a competitive team. And yet, when we go up against some of the people that are in these top twelve, you know, we're the we're the ones going eight zip. Yeah, there's some there's some scary pilots in the top twelve. Mm. So then, and then you you know you translate that down to, you know, putting putting people who are just in there for fun or, you know, drinking beers and having a laugh, yeah, then they're, they're, they're only going to do worse. That's it. Do, do you think that there, there is some way to, to make it work? Or, I mean, you know, if, if we were taking lessons learned from, from PGI's um, changes to World Champs this year uh, and focusing on stock mix, do you think there are some, some early lessons learned at this point? The only way I could see it working would be to implement some form of division or tier system where you have yeah. your top teams in one division. Uh, it's sort of like MRBC. Yeah. Um, your B League teams in their own division, so they can just fight it out amongst each other. Mm. Um, and honestly, that could be pretty fun to watch because you'd sit there going, what the hell are these guys doing? Somehow it's working. Yeah, and MRBC has that, you know, you, you might get teams that are in, you know, Div G or something, or Div E. Um, and, yeah. you know, just because they're equally matched in skill, that's what makes it fun. You know, they're not doing the same things that um, the, the high high team plays, uh, the high level teams are, but it's still fun to watch them go at it and, and see what's successful for them. 
Yeah, of course. Um, each division, well, each, I'm going to use skill rating. Each skill rating of players have their own meta, right? Their own, they have their own way of playing the game. So part of the reason why we have these stomps is because the meta is so different. Like, you have a team that's used to playing one way, and that way is completely countered by the way this other team plays the game. Mm. Like, it's going to be very hard for that first team to do accomplish anything at all. Mm. Let, okay, let's not assume. Let's not not assume that the people listening know what we're talking about here. So, why would why would there be a different meta between the different divisions? Like, what are those metas, and what's what what changes? I would put it as the average B League team has mechs they're comfortable playing. That might not be the best. Um, for example, some of them might really like the Shadowhawks. Unfortunately, the Shadowhawk is pretty garbage, no matter which variant you're looking at. Um, so that, they'll probably want to take a Shadowhawk, for example. Um, or they just take unconventional paths in the maps. For example, in Canyon, you do the whole... You know, around the outside of the map in the in the canyons around the outside, and you have no map control whatsoever. But that's what they feel works on because they can go out and get the outside caps. Except for then they can't control them. Mm. Yeah, you know, that, just that sort of thing. Um, they're not used to playing the strategic, you know, control the map style of gameplay. Yeah, you describe my play style so well at the moment, Gil. <laughs> 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 so what? What about? Um... The other thing I can think of is is the actual weapons involved. You know, obviously, pop tarting with PPCs in a summoner, let's say, is gonna. You know, if you're gonna be competitive in that mech, you need to not be missing at all ever. Yes. And and yeah, if you if you miss in a pop tart, it's uh, that's that's pretty rough because the DPS is already so low that and it's that, so hot as well. Hmm. And so, you know, and not only, you know, are the top teams not missing, they're also hitting the components that they want to hit in those few seconds exposure time while they're pop tarting around. Yeah, and yeah, and they're exposing for less time as a rule as well. Mm. It's just one example that occurs to me of a sort of a, I guess, a skill gate that would prescribe a certain meta between the divisions. Uh, speaking um, directly to the pop tarts and skill gap, you'll see a lot of lesser skilled or not as not as comfortable with the pop tarting mechs they'll mostly just do vertical jumps in the one spot whereas you mm. see the more higher skilled or more comfortable pilots they'll do like running sideways jumping so they're jumping and moving at the same time Let it mm. they're not just they're not just vertically going up and coming back down mm. so that's that that's that's a good overview i mean let's let's come back to to um 2018 World Championship, and again, I think it might be beneficial to not assume that everybody who listens to this will have, um, you know, gone through the rules and and got more than a cursory understanding of of what it is. So, what mechs are available in this? Okay, so all stock mechs from the Inner Sphere built up to I believe it's about 3039. So the Mauler, which came out in, I believe, 3040, mm. can't drive it. So the Mauler is out. That leaves your basic and night, or starting at the top, your Annihilators, your Stalkers, your Banshees, your Highlanders. 
yeah. awesomes, victors, Zeus's, and that's pretty much about it for your assaults. What about in terms yeah. of weapons and the kind of things uh, that are in, loaded into those stock mechs? Only 3025 tech, so your standard PPCs, standard lasers, no pulse, no extended range, um, no streak missiles, no gorse rifles, uh, no LBX or ultra auto cannons. You only have the basic variety of AC251020, hmm. your standard PPC, small, medium, large lasers, your LRMs, double your SRMs. Nope, no double heat sinks. Excellent. No XL engines. No. <laughs> uh, no case, no Artemis. No fun. Uh, <laughs> no fun. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that because uh, I, I must admit that it has. I have said it had some fun times playing these games. And you can't even change the armor values. So some of these mechs, like the Awesome in particular, has it's got a lot of armor. It's got pretty much maximum armor it can handle. <laughs> Fortunately, about forty percent of that armor is on its rear. But tanking. <laughs> but tanking is a thing. <laughs> I'm we're not see, even kidding. We're going to see a lot about tanking in these forthcoming games. I think you're already having a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely been some some spinning to uh, to go back. That's been so, so funny I mean, we- in our in our practices and in our in our games that we had. Just watching, it's like you know, watch the the classic one was a light running up behind someone, being like, hey, 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 "I'm right in their backs." <laughs> and then boom, one assault mech down. Yeah, because a lot of play, a lot of people would only play. With, depending on what mech they were in, between two and four rear armor. Mm. Now, I think the lowest you have is about eight on a light. I think it's twelve on the mediums, and up getting up towards twenty on the heavies. And I think the awesome has like thirty or something rear armor. That's pretty nuts. You got to spend yeah. a lot of time as a light dancing around behind one of those mechs to even make a dent. <laughs> Yeah, the plus side to that, if you get inside 90 meters of an awesome, it yeah. is useless. It can't do anything to you. It has a small yeah. laser. Mm. P- PPC minimum range, it cannot hurt you. Yeah, which we've seen a couple of times in the games already. You know, people yep. getting within their minimum range eh? and, and hassling or just even blocking the awesome, just trying to block. I mean, it does beg the question, um, Gil, and I guess a lot of people will be wondering, you know, with these changes, I mean, what have you noticed has been the biggest impact of that? You know, the the way you guys are, approach it, you're so used to maximizing uh, builds and getting the best out of everything. Um, you know, what have you guys talked about what those changes are like or personally have you noticed what those changes are like to your playstyles and stuff? Um, I'd say the biggest um, thing we've noticed or I've noticed at least is strategy is a lot more important. These mechs, they have less firepower. Less armor as a rule, but they are far less mobile. So you need to have a solid strategy because reacting to stuff, you can't really do it that well. The Annihilator, for example, it goes 32Ks. Most of the assaults, they only do 48. Less range as well. Yes, much lower range. In fact, I still see in the semis, in a couple of the games, people have been playing trading games at like 1,200 meters out when the PPCs are literally doing like one damage each then like what's the point mm. yeah yeah some shooting across rubellite eh? it took on a yeah. 200 meters yeah like there is no point for you to be doing that you you're sitting there eating strike damage in exchange for nothing <laughs> Zip, no gain and the the, the, yeah. the only long range weapon in the games are LRMs. lrms and ac2s 
mm. and PPCs if you've got a decently quirked Mac. Mm. Okay. Which, I mean, that kind of leads on to, I mean, LRMs probably segues us nicely to say, um, you know, yeah, you, you do have to do some things different maybe because you don't have the range or the range only comes through LRMs. Does that mean that you guys have to use skills that you hadn't before like butt tanking um or you know even if you're a light and you'd normally you know try to get the back of an assault does that change as well um speaking directly to the light part i'm not really a light pilot so i can't really comment there but butt tanking that's become a thing you know before you give your back it's a bit of an oh shit in a moment in regular comp but in the stock mode it's oh yeah i have back armor yeah um LRMs are something a lot of the NA teams have been playing with. I don't think many of the EU teams have been playing with them. They seem to prefer their direct, you know, pure direct fire uh, map control games. But the reason why LRMs are viable these days is because, again, the mechs are so slow. If you catch something out of cover, it's going to take a lot of hurt. And armor value is a lot lower, and it's a lot more, and a lot more of that value is on the back. Yeah. So any barrage of LRMs that hits a target, it's going to hurt. No matter where the damage goes, it's going to hurt a lot. Okay, this makes this this is another good segue to talk about TTK. I mentioned it to you before we started, but I wanted, like, the impact of, of these changes on the time to kill in the game. Any thoughts on that? I honestly feel like the time to kill is lower mm. because, oh, again, wow. the mechs are so slow and so fragile, and a lot of these mechs, like the Banshee 3S and the Annihilator, for example, they can put out consistent alphas of 40 damage, uh, 50 in the case of the Banshee with the medium lasers, you know, pretty comfortably for several volleys. Mm. And that's that's a lot of damage for a mech that probably only has 40 front armor. Yeah. And I have noticed a few insta-gibs as well. In, in our games, and I've seen a couple in the, the classic <coughs> matches so far where, you know, a lot of mechs have, you know, um, ammo in some pretty vulnerable spots. Oh yes, uh, a couple of times in training, we've noticed that um, stalkers and annihilators, in particular, are very prone to just exploding. Yeah, you look at them funny, and they'll just blow up. Well, it's a roll of the dice, isn't it? In the end, it can happen in a comp in in a normal comp game that you might get an unlucky crit on your ammo. But I mean, in here, when it's all in your side tossers and that kind of thing the time to kill is in your opinion shorter which is quite interesting i think everyone would have thought with all those standard engines out there and all that increased back armor um that uh, and, and people being slower um that it would be you know harder to take them down i mean with those changes uh, with time to kill uh and the changes to ranges and some of that other stuff i mean do this have the strats been significantly different from the way that you say, approach last world champs or the way that you guys would normally approach group Q? Oh, heck yes. Um, in fact, I would say that the strategies you can take into play are more limited yeah. than previously because, again, the mechs are so slow, the ranges are so short, so playing map control games are really hard. Um, there's not a lot you can do. And if you're trying to... If you brought the wrong deck, for example, you brought... You know, three assaults, and you only have two. Well, you have three lights, two assaults, heavy and a medium. Everything, slow, uh, everything heavier than your lights. The fastest they go is probably sixty-four k's. That's mm-hmm. not very quick in when you're trying to reposition to take advantage mm-hmm. of an enemy opening or 
trying to cover an opening you've made. So the mechs don't necessarily take longer to kill, but the strats take maybe longer to implement or, you know, you can't kind of see that opening and exploit it with kind of speed and momentum because the mechs just aren't equipped for that. Yeah, you got to you got to play at a lot shorter ranges in order to take more take more advantage of any openings. Like if you see an assault that's caught out, yeah, you got to be pretty close to it if you want to jump on it. Unless you've got like five LRM mechs standing by waiting for <laughs> waiting for that guy to go hot blocks. <laughs> it does feel to me like the um, although the time to kill might not have changed um so much that the, the games feel the, the the progress of the games feels a lot shorter or a lot slower sorry so you know you can get it almost feels like it's in slow motion or something like that in previous competitions you, you know it's sort of it's almost like dominoes where it can be just dunk, 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 game over in this yeah it's just sort of yeah it's like watching it in slow motion almost i think the biggest things are the different, the biggest differences are last year's world. You had lots of high alpha, or and just large amounts of firepower on every mech. Every mech was particularly quick, but every mech had maximum or close to maximum armor, at least in the locations that matter. Hunchback Two C, for example, doesn't really care about its arms, so you don't really you don't really spend weight on armoring those up. But in this year, the mechs are a lot slower. They're a lot thinner skinned, as I said previously. I want to say, on average, the speeds are down about 20Ks per mech, per class. Yeah, wow. The, the Annihilator is really slowing down the assaults. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's at 30 something. Me too. I think you, we've, if you put like all, oh, I think it's five points in the skill tree in the speed tweak, you get to 33.8. With it. With speed tweak, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's not worth the point of investment. You get, I think it's one point nine k's an hour speed difference for investment of at least twenty to twenty five points in the skill tree. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. So, so coming into something um, that's sort of related and maybe maybe a little bit more um, positive <coughs> uh, is is um, I don't know about you, but I did find sort of a newfound um, love of certain mechs from playing these world championships. I was like, oh, this mech. I didn't know about this mech, or I've never really given it a go, or hadn't driven it for a long time. Did you have anything like that? Yeah, there's a couple of mechs um, that have been like that for me. The Banshee 3S in particular. I've never owned a Banshee before this world, and... Heck, I, I've often taken the Banshee 3S stock in the queue and it's decent mech. It's one of the few mechs that has good firepower, decent cooling, and near max armor. Mm. So it's a very popular mech. A lot of the teams are taking it. Mm. You're driving it in the and queue stock? It, oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Blackwatch as a whole have been t- do a lot of stock mech. They're taking a lot of the stock mechs into the queue because it's good practice. Mm. Um, get comfortable. You, you know, you're getting comfortable in the mech, you're warming up in it, and it's fun, to be honest. It's like hard mode. So the Banshee 3S, how many weapon groups you got on that? Um, I only use four. <laughs> only four. 
I have three on my mouse, and well, no, there's five. There's five weapon groups. You have your PPCs on one, your AC10 on another, medium lasers on the third. So those, those are my main ones, and then the SRMs and the small laser, the small lasers, two of them. I have on my number keys four and five because I don't have any more buttons on my mouse, <laughs> and. Basically, if I'm firing my small lasers and the SRMs, it's because I've got myself in too deep and I'm just going all guns out before I die. A weapon for every yes. situation. Yeah, the, the SRMs on the Banshee are pretty terrible. Um, you can just take one into the training grounds, fire the SRMs, and you'd be appalled at the spread of them. They are abysmal. <laughs> I've had times where I fired the SRMs, only two missiles have hit my target, and the target was like 30 meters away. Sounds <laughs> normally like for me for ages. Throwing confetti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But your main weapons are the, the three big guns, the PPCs, and the AC 10, and the four medium lasers. Yeah. The rest are literally, you know, oh shit, I'm about to die. As much damage out as you can. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a, that that it, the Banshee is a great example of you know it's 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 a, it's a really strong mech in this context. Um, yeah, but it, it, if you if for the people that haven't experienced that you know that that huge list of weapons is you know a great example of the kind of um, things that you've had to put up with. Uh, you, yeah. you talked about it. Um, I mean, being being hard mode, taking the the stock mechs into um, you know. Uh, group Q into quick play. Is there is there some element of the additional challenges that this change has made the stock mech world champs has made? I mean, have you enjoyed it, or is it all frustration? Um, or is there something about being kind of limited and constrained that you actually find enjoyable because it just makes it that much harder? It's quite limiting. The amount of actual viable mechs in stock mode is lower than viable mechs in regular competitive play. Mm -hmm. For example, there are only two decent mediums and one of them is only barely decent. So you, you, you will only really see the hunchback, mostly the four P sometimes the four J and very rarely you might see a crab or a vindicator. Other than that, mediums are just, just seem to be dead. Um, heavies, you've got, you know, you stand a black knight, you know, the, Lots of pinpoint damage on the Black Knight. You've got catapults or sorry LRMs. You've got Archer for more LRMs. You've got the Orion we see occasionally that people treat as basically a mini Atlas. It's just march here, get in their face, and take their attention while we kill them. Sometimes you might see a cataphract, although that seems to have dropped off in popularity since the start of... The comp queue. What about you? Don't rate the hunchback four H. That's got an AC ten and some medium lasers. We at we have we looked at it. And went nah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I I mean I I agree with you that um it it really seems like uh, I mean this is a bit of a prediction and maybe we can get some more predictions from you that will but but one of mine would be um we'll just see the same mix trotted out again and again over the course of these semis, the same drop decks pretty much. You're not far wrong. Um, again, there's only one really viable medium of two niche roll mediums. There's like four viable lights. You know, There's one heavy that's miles above the rest and the Black Knight and the rest are kind of like niche rolls, LRMs for example. 
Um, assaults is probably where you have the most variety, in all honesty, but you can only take, at maximum, three of them. So it really does leave you limited to, you know, the clearly optimal choices. Maybe you'll see some variation in what certain teams think is, is, is worthwhile. Or and I, I can already tell you, in, in terms of assaults, the most common assaults you'll see are the Annihilator, as we've seen a lot in the semifinals, the Banshee, mm. as I mentioned earlier, Awesome, Stalker. Sometimes you might see a Highlander, Atlas, maybe a King Crab. Um, haven't seen too many of those. And the the Victor, we've seen, I think, once or twice. Have yet to see Zeus. Um, and now that we're in the closed qualifier, or the semifinals, as BJ want to call it for some reason, um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't see any more Zeus's coming out, even though I never saw one previously. I, I don't think people are going to bring it. It's honestly, it's pretty bad. Yeah. In stock form. So there, there was quite a, lo- a long list of mechs that you're allowed to run. Um, even from, even with the constraints, you know, of, you know, they can only have these kind of loadouts in stock, no double heat sinks, no XLs, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I mean, I'm sure most teams like like we did just went through the first first thing to do was go through that list and just be like unusable, unusable, unusable. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. Um, we we have a list, no Google Docs. We have what makes available and what ones aren't, and the list of green is a like a tenth of the list of red max. Red being unusable. Yeah, probably probably a similar looking list. With some length list. So you feel that um, the constraints were just probably so much that they they've limited the the challenge rather than increased it. So rather than kind of make it hard in a fun way, um, it's made it potentially just a bit too limiting and frustrating. Uh, it can be frustrating, um, but it's also it does open up strategies in other directions, such as LRMs, for example. Mm. Um, I know yeah. EMP made the comment last year that we they had an LRM deck on Polar planned, but we never saw any evidence of it. I'm not, <laughs> Big I'm not sure if I believe them, the biggest or they tease. just said it to you know just to say it. <laughs> but LRMs in regular in you know, regular comp are just even with all the bus buses buffs, they're not that great because again the mechs are so heavily armored. That if you take a stray volley of LRMs, yeah. it hurts, but you're pretty you're pretty much fine. Yeah, I unless I you unless you you could take a little a little detour here to, to because you've sort of brought it up about there's been some um, sort of rhetoric around that that LRMs are the new meta following those buffs. Did you have an opinion on that? Yeah, certainly in quick play, LRMs have been a hell of a lot more common. Popular, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot more popular. Um, that's not to say they weren't popular before. I think we can all agree there. But now it's like you get a minimum of four LRMX no matter what. And like every game, you just have a lance of LRMX. Sometimes all on your side, sometimes all on theirs, sometimes split. But, you know, just lots of LRMs. And I mean, I guess that's kind of uh, off topic, but it's yeah, I, don't, I don't really. I mean, it's irritating to die to LRMs, but I've I've never really found them to be you know ongoing it, game to game too big a hassle unless you're yeah. Polar Highlands or something awful like that. Mm. I don't know. I don't really see what's so fun about LRMs. To be utterly honest, I've probably only used them in in 
I've been playing since closed beta. I've used LRMs probably less than a couple dozen times. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I'm not going to hold it against people for wanting to use them. Um, I mean, I I did copy and paste a little bit of a bit of text out of your uh, out of the two two eight bio from the MRBC website, which I'll just read it out now. It is our belief that players who wish to be members of the 228th IBR can point and click properly and stay away from filthy lock-on weapons. 228 pilots <laughs> caught using LRMs or SSRMs will be expelled from the unit immediately with a complimentary swole application. Depending on the case, their bloodline may also be eradicated. <laughs> so no LRMs from you guys this comp. Um, <laughs> probably. I, I, won't, I won't. I won't confirm or deny. Um, there's not. But a like, lot of options, like I said, there? there's not a lot of options, and it seems like it's mostly only the NA teams that are uh, toying around with LRMs. We haven't seen any evidence of LRMs at all from the EU teams. Mm. Um, the EU teams seem to just like to march up there, stay a bit passive with their annihilator, their banshee, and their awesome all massive you know direct fire platforms and just wait for you to make a mistake mm. i mean that's that's the perfect segue again to to talking about you know a few of your predictions about where this um semi-finals might might lead and just obviously just whatever you're comfortable to talk about um but did you have some sort of you know what what can the spectators expect to see um I need I need to actually bring up the bracket because I'm not sure who's facing who. I think two two uh, sorry Swamp Foxes are facing JGX I believe mm-hmm. in Game Seven with the um, face EMP. Yep. Uh, who else have we got? We've got us versus PHL, and I think it's Dudes versus Eon. I think those are the games up next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you, you could talk about you know if. If you'd rather, you could talk about the kind of play styles we might expect to see, or, or even just like your 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 call for top three teams. If you're a gambling man, I think top three teams is a bit of an ask. Um, I've mentioned it before, not to you guys, but to other people that the top twelve teams this year seem a lot closer at skill level than in previous years. Mm. Um. EMP for EMP for example is not quite the same beast they were last year. They've had a lot of roster changes, mm. and mm. no, not putting any shit on them. They still have quality pilots, but they haven't had that massive length of time practicing together as a previous team, so they're not quite as polished. Yeah, mm. I mean it takes um, time to bid in as a unit, and EMP has always been such a small, tight roster, and it, this this format. I think turned a few people away. So I think you, it's inevitable that you'd see some, you know, a, a little bit of the shine taken off that. Okay. So I found, I found the actual bracket rather than an unupdated picture I saw earlier. Okay. So yeah, JGX was 228 Swamp Foxes, PHL versus us, Elon versus Dude. And then in the losers bracket, we have RJF versus. Wild ones, the Aussie two to eight. These teams, I would say, all have well, apart from maybe the RJF and Wild ones t- match. I'd say three of these matches have clear favourites in the form of Eon Synergy versus Dude, Us versus PHL, and then JGX versus Swan Foxes. Uh, those are the teams I would pick to win the matches, but 
upsets can happen, man. Mm. I mean, it's best of three. That that is best of three. And Swamp Foxes in particular have been playing pretty well. Yes, Um, they've finished sixth, I think. uh, Sixth uh, ahead of Eisen and below Phoenix Legion. So it's a really good showing from them. Speaking in our match versus PHL, we don't really know a lot about PHL because we haven't fought them since Last Worlds, basically. Mm. Uh, Did we fight them? I'm not even sure we fought them there. I can't remember, but... Yeah, we they're a team we don't really have much experience on. We don't know much about how they play apart from typical EU direct fire. That said, I believe the quality of our players is a bit higher, so we should win. That said, we have the capability to beat anyone. We also seem to have the capability to lose to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So touch wood, fingers crossed, and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, you did say that it was closer, um, Gillen, and, and that's a good thing. So although it's hard to say uh, who might end up in the top three, what what do you think will separate out the top three from the others? Do you think it will just come down to who plays better on on the day? Or do you think that there might be some, you know, who implements strategy better that separates out those teams that get through in the end? I think it's going to be a mixture of both. Who has a better strategy? Because some strategies trump others on, on the day. Um, who plays better, uh, whoever makes the least mistakes, that's another one. I'd say the clear favourites in my mind for this qualifier are probably Eon Synergy. I think they still have 10 out of the same 12 they had last year, so it's a consistent roster. Wow. Um, they've been very scary in the queue, judging from their win-loss record. Um, mm. I think they only games, lost two... Mm. I think one of them they lost to Dudes, and I think it was... RJF, who took the other game. So but yeah, I know, I know dudes for sure took one game off them. Nice, good for them. So not not because I hate Eon or something, but because you know the you know I'm always as a New Zealander, I always root for the underdog. <laughs> Just for anyone who's not clear, and because you know I'm not 100 percent sure that I'm clear myself. The the way that the um, semi-finals are structured, you've got a winners. You've already mentioned that there's a winners bracket and a losers bracket. Yep. So, so you have to lose twice in order to be out. And so, you know, you can potentially lose a game and end up in the final. Yeah, of course. Um, that's what happened to Eon, I believe. They lost their first game against 2-8, uh, us, last year. And then they made their way through the loser's bracket to the final match where we were waiting for them and then they beat us there. Where I'm not so clear, and we were sort of discussing it before, before we started here, is, you know, at the end of this, we're looking for... Three people to go to Metcon. Is that right? Three teams, yes. Three, three that is teams. correct. Yeah, yeah. So we're, how, do, how do we get three teams out of this structure? Okay, that is a, uh, a bit of a journey. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting comfortably. <laughs> lead on, lead on, Gil. <laughs> okay, so you have to make it through your bracket. It, I'll use us as for, for an example. If we don't drop any games, if we win a match with PHL, and the match versus the winner of Dude versus Eon, we are pretty much guaranteed a spot in the finals. We, we only need the two victories to get our spot in the finals, from what I remember. Okay. So as long as you get to match 19... Uh, and win that as well? This. Yeah, I think you have to win that one as well. So we might need three victories. you got to buy in your first match, right? Because you were top yeah. six or what, was it top six? six? Uh, top four. Top four. Yeah. Is it... So the yes, top four so, buys? Yep, all top four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do a 12-team bracket that 
that starts at the quarters and goes to the finals. So if four teams go, the top four seeded teams get a bye, then then you have your standard eight team quarterfinals, four team semifinals, and so on. Although right. in this case, because there's a buy round, there's four semifinals matches instead of two. We've talked about how perhaps this World Cup might not have been that pleasant of experience for for people trying to get into it for fun. What's your advice for people wanting to get into competitive Mech Warrior? I would start with a smaller league, such as Battle for Midway, which is starting up now. I think sign-ups are open right now, I believe, on the Reddit. Um, MRBC is a good place to start. I think we're having two seasons, maybe, after this Worlds. And there will be other tournaments. Um, people organize tournaments all the time, like RJ Bass did that Safety Seth charity tournament, which we won, uh, I think, February this year. It's quite a few tournaments. I would say Battle for Midway and MRBC for the structured league style of play. I would say if you're looking at competing at the higher level of Macquarium, be prepared for a lot of work. Right. And I mean, maybe it is, you know, it's a little intimidating to just go down and sign yourself up for for one of those tournaments. You know, I'd recommend, um, if, if I was asking me, <laughs> uh, that people, you know, go out looking for a unit. Yeah, there is a, there is a page on the Reddit, I think, where you can... Recruitment thread, yeah. I've never uh, joined a unit that way. I've always approached a unit, a unit directly and say, hey, do you want me? In fact, funny story, I actually applied for Blackwatch as a coach, not as a player. I'm surprised you didn't ask why I was in Blackwatch and not the Oceanic team. Yeah, wow. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. Come yeah. on, uh, Why are you in Blackwatch and not the Wild Ones? <laughs> Well, see, there's a funny story to that. <laughs> you see, the wild ones, most of them are descended from convict settlers of Australia, whereas I'm descended from the free settlers. So it's not really good mix. <laughs> More seriously, there, there are a couple of reasons. One, I used to stream, mm. and so my, uh, my evening schedule was couldn't do it. So that puts an oceanic team out. Mm. Um, and when I did originally try to draw wild ones back in, I want to say late, late, mid to late 2016, I can't remember if it was before or after that season of MRBC, I uh, spoke to Jay-Z or Jay-Z. Um, and so he wanted there to be actual competition in the scene. So that was when we still had JGX playing in Oceana. Uh, OMC was still around. Mm. I think you guys hadn't shown up yet. Or if you were, you were in Div B. Um, that's the fourth team. Can't think of them. ISRC, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I think ISRC for that season. That was the fourth team. And then there was my entire Scorpions guys, who in the end we merged with ISRC for, a se- for that season. Um, but yeah, so there were four decent teams in Oceana. And Jay-Z wanted there to be you know, decent competition. Mm. Because... You don't want to have to wake up like I am, 4 a.m. and 4 a.m. in the morning, just have a decent match, right? And the, the last reason why I didn't join the wild ones is I don't drive a stalker. <laughs> What's your favorite mech? Um, in game or in terms of battle tech? Let's say in game. What's your totem mech? What's what's your mech that you know <laughs> got your face on the side of it? That's a tough one. 
in with if we're talking about early MW, then it was the dragon. Mm. Um, I was very heavy in the dragon. In fact, I, I would over specialize and I wouldn't almost wouldn't drive anything else until the cataphract came out. And then it was the cataphract. Um, Victor followed after that. Then probably Timberwolf for the longest time. I, I would I would say pre-nerf Timberwolf. Right. Nice. Yeah, it's beautiful, Mick. It's they can't take yeah. that away from it. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I, I wish you the best of luck in your uh, forthcoming games, and I'll I'll certainly be watching them avidly. Uh, don't wake up for four a. Or, oh, it's like six a.m. for you guys, isn't it? That's not too bad then. We'll be cheering you on watching the replay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, please. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> not a drama, folks. Thanks for the chat. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah nice to talk. If you did enjoy this content, then your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can support us in a multitude of ways. You can go to Patreon, Incoming Missile Podcast, and support us there. We have uh, three different tiers of support, or of course you can uh, donate one-off amounts, and any in-game content um, that you could denote to us would also be greatly appreciated we very much want to hear your feedback so be sure to reach out to us on our multitude of channels you can follow us on twitter at incoming p you can reach us via email at incoming missile podcast at gmail.com uh, and please subscribe to us on youtube that's incoming missile podcast so just a quick reminder to check out the mech register you can find the link to that google form at our twitter account and just remember you can fill that form out up to eight times each time you do fill it out is another entry to win so do get in there tell us what you think about the mechs that we are featuring uh, and allow us to collect that information into something useful uh, and you may just get a mech pack out of it we look forward to hearing from you we appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next time Shutdown sequence initiated.